Welcome to another episode of Chic Compass Connection. This podcast will give you a glimpse into the window of the popular Chic Compass magazine, where we feature art, music, design, fashion, dining, and all things chic for the culture-starved audiences of the world. To view our magazine online, visit chiccompass.com. That's C-H-I-C-C-O-M-P-A-S-S dot com. We would also like to thank the Vegas Room in the Historic Commercial Center in Las Vegas, Nevada, for inviting us to their supper club to broadcast our show. I'm your host, Jamie Hosmer. Let's introduce today's guest. Nancy Good is a multidisciplinary artist with an incredibly diverse background. Her creative pursuits over the past three decades have been heavily influenced by travels to Australia, Africa, Vietnam, childhood residency in Japan, adult life as an artist, photographer, musician, fly fishing guide, backpacker, writer, and teacher in Montana, Nevada, California, Tennessee, and Illinois, along with her eclectic DNA revealing connections with cultures the world over. Most recently, Good has received three congressional commendations for artistic contributions. Nancy, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. And we should say we are in your beautiful core contemporary studio slash gallery. Mm-hmm. Yep. So as I look around here, can you describe to me what, what I'm looking at? <laughs> well, it's a cacophony of uh, color. Um, and because I am a musician, it it is very musical in uh, appearance, uh, even though it's not like looking at sheet music, uh, colors vibrate. There's a lot of movement. Um, there's tempo. There's disharmony as well as uh, harmony. Uh, so yeah, it's a, uh, it's me. One of the things that I found fascinating uh, about you is that you have a condition called synesthesia, which. Um, Somebody that I work with already has that uh, has that as well. Mm-hmm. So I actually know the term. Okay. Most people don't understand the term. Can you describe that? It's yeah. It's it's where we have a, a certain number of senses uh, that we're aware of. You know, uh, the the five or sometimes the six. Um, and synesthesia happens or is 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 a condition when a different sense, uh, like taste, touch, hearing, you know, smell, whatever, senses. A stimuli, and so I'm my my form of synesthesia is related to vibration. I'm keenly aware of vibration. I know a lot of that is rooted in my my musical background, um, but it's it's uh, uh, some artists will actually see colors. I don't necessarily see colors. I see the vibration, and I and I sense the vibration, and I need to communicate the vibration. So that's what comes out in my art and my color palette, the the shapes and forms, and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's noisy. <laughs> that's fascinating. Um, is that something that? In your daily life, do you ever want to turn that off? Mm-mm, no, I love it. Um, uh, I didn't understand a lot of it um, before, and I mean, even sitting sitting here, it's like I, there's vibrations that I'm sensing, and it, and it's and it's you know it's good. And I t- tend to keep this space um, very. Uh, I don't even know how the the the, the vibration level will 
feel like sanctuary. So people feel very comfortable when they come in here. They don't necessarily understand why. And it's because I have to maintain a certain vibration for my own comfort, comfort level. And so I put it out there and it comes back. I can attest to that. It is very <laughs> comfortable sitting here for sure. Um, yeah, that's interesting. The, uh, a friend of mine who's also a musician who has that, who has synesthesia, he, he also has perfect pitch. Mm. So he hears a note, he instantly knows, yep. oh, that's a C, that's a D. Yep. And he associates each note with a color, mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. So if it's a C, I'm not sure if this is for him, but it's an orange. If right. it's a D, it's right. a blue. Right. That's all the time. It's yep. so fascinating to me. Um, and so obviously th- you incorporate that into all of your artwork. Mm-hmm. You, you probably don't really have a choice. I, I don't. Um, it's, it's where I feel the most comfortable. Um, I, one, I love music. I'm a musician. I sing. I play instruments. And, and I actually love um, particularly playing the guitar because I, I physically feel the vibrations and uh, you know, feel like I'm wrapped around that, the vibration. Um, so, yeah, I, I've tried to do other types of uh, art and subject matter, and it always comes back to there's something vibrating there's something you know there's some tension and then you know a dissonance and then it then it resolves itself and and i think back to being a musician we you know we understand that that the strength of a of a musical piece lies in taking us on a journey through you know dissonance to a little bit of you know uh tension uh to the ear that even a non-musician will will respond to and then as we you know come back to harmony or back to one or something like that then it's like ah the relief you know we're we're home again right even if they don't actually if somebody doesn't actually know why that's happening they feel that response oh yeah i mean you think of you know movie scores and how how the the you know the uh composer will you know create a piece that brings you to this you know climactic high and you're responding to it physically and emotionally and sometimes weeping and then and then it brings you back down and back to a place of of peace and right yeah 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 that's a great way to describe it can you tell our listeners about your your the different mediums that you work in okay yeah um well, a lot of um, acrylic paints, a lot of latex paints. Um, uh, I love the viscosity and the control of uh, uh, house paints. Even um, you know, there's there's a uniqueness to to what I can do with them. Um, I love like house paints that you'd put on a wall. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. Um, I love inks. I'm actually diving into uh, airbrush. Um, uh, you can see my little. Gribbles over there. That's day two of my uh, uh, f- actually holding an airbrush, wow. which I'm in abs- in love with. Uh, wow. Because not because of the uh, the way that it will help me do realistic type art, which is a lot of what airbrush artists will do, but because of the organic nature of it. Because everything I create, um, there will be layers of uh, organic. 
looking elements or organic feeling elements and and diving into who we are on on our smallest levels and and again back to vibration you know our our atoms are constantly vibrating you know we're if if this table were vibrating a lot slower i could put my fingers through it but right it's vibrating very very fast so uh you know thinking thinking again in terms of the layers that we have within us um and and the shapes and the pulsing and um, you can see that in your all of your works there's a lot of layers a lot of different shapes a lot of different colors and then um, and then trying to communicate um you know our artists have a language you know i mean to me my paintings are language i i, I use frequently use the hashtag i paint what i can't say and so Right now, during these very interesting times, very historic times, there is a lot of stuff that we're processing um, as, as human beings, but we're also processing as artists, as musicians, as teachers, as family members, uh, you know, all the different hats that we wear. And so I tried to process... Um, what I'm feeling and uh, I don't often work very very small but I had to work incredibly small for nine weeks when I was locked in my home studio I couldn't work in my in this big studio wow. and I couldn't do my mural size paintings and and I was also processing the feelings of isolation and confinement and constraint mostly constraint because I I feel usually pretty free um, as a, because of my life choices. Um, and I thought, well, how do I interpret this? How do I make sense of this? And blessedly, I, was, I, I painted nonstop, um, had about 20 different paintings, sold 10 of them, which actually paid all my bills while I was home and paid for the rent of the gallery that I couldn't even access. And... It it made me also understand that other people are seeking interpretation for what they're experiencing as well. And if they can connect with what I'm trying to express, it's giving them a language as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and again, it may not be something that somebody knows how to put that into words. Mm -hmm. But it's a feeling, mm -hmm. right? And it's an exchange. Mm -hmm. So that's fantastic. Uh, these three behind you are some of the ones that you did? Yes. And I've, uh, these are the only ones that I really had still framed and, okay. and here. Um, and so there, there's almost a talismanic quality to them, um, you know, like an ancient wisdom mm -hmm. type thing. And, and I was feeling that a lot um, when I think about back to this, this mixed DNA, if, you know, if, if anybody's ever done a, a DNA test, they'll start to realize how far back their heritage goes in very surprising places. Tell us about yours. Well, it's, it's just, you know, I, I knew I, I was, you know, part Sicilian, pretty healthy part Sicilian. I knew I had French and Italian and English. I didn't know I had Viking and Scandinavian. Um, I knew I had some Irish. Um, I, you know, discovered that, yes, I have Neanderthal DNA, but I also have, um, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of years back, um, Middle Eastern DNA and things that, you know, most of us do, but we we want to, 
deny that or yeah. or think that there's you know there's something wrong with that. It's like no, this is you know we are a young people, a, a young species, so to speak. That you know we haven't gotten to where you know. I mean, there will never be purity uh, of one. You know, I mean, it's just right. nonsense to even expect that, and nonsense to you know live a life trying to um, seek that uh, because it one it, it then it causes exclusion. It causes the feeling that someone else is is not worthy of being part of that purity, and and I I don't I just don't understand that. So so. Processing that, processing, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of tension in the world. There's a lot of um, miscommunication. There's a lot of disinformation. There's a lot of just confusion. And so how do I, as a, as a human being who wants a happier life for herself and her family... How do I express it in a way that helps somebody else maybe, you know, find a happier part in their life? And so, you know, I think about how we have different memories, different, you know, uh, this, the big piece behind us right now is, is called, um, uh, man, I'm blanking on it right now, um, uh, Chance Encounter of Brief Interludes. And so we... I, we often think of time as being linear, and, and time really isn't linear. You know, right. yes, we're having a linear moment right now, but we will continue to revisit this in memories when mm-hmm. we re-listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so, the time is not is is bouncing forward, is bouncing backwards, is interweaving into a daily experience randomly. You know, a month later, a, a year, two years later, and so I started to interpret how, you know, random memories might all of a sudden surface, and then I think of another memory, and all of a sudden these two memories are meeting for the first time, and does that change how we remember something? And there's some science behind that that actually uh, tells us that our synapses change when we remember something anew because the synapses were formed so long ago or, you know, depending on his long-term or short-term memory. But we've changed. And so we don't often remember things exactly as they were, even though we will swear up and down we do. Right. And science has proven that that's actually not quite true. Two people in the exact same spot will remember things differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, the sky wasn't blue that day. It was cloudy. Right. Or, no, you, you weren't wearing that. You were wearing this. Right. Or, right. Right. It's a very interesting yeah. point. Um, so I want to go back a little bit and, and talk about what led you to become an artist. In other words, does this go back to childhood? Um, were you always a creative person? How did that start? Um, short answer. Yes. <laughs> um, long answer, uh, and it will allude kind of back to our pre-recording conversation of reinvention. Um, life happens. And um, had some fairly traumatic events in childhood that uh, completely hijacked and stopped uh, creative pursuits. Uh, um, 
that had a great impact on me later in life because it was during, you know, this was all during a developmental time. And when I realized later as an adult that though those traumatic events had happened and stopped my pursuit of guitar lessons, stopped my pursuit of piano lessons, uh, stopped having even a, 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 a safe and uh, stable home, that's not necessarily the case now. And so it was, even though I was a, a lifelong singer, um, had, had, you know, pursued classical performance in, in college as well, um, I just died to relearn and retain the guitar. I mean, I, that's, you know, that was my first true instrumental love. Um, I, you know, had since learned how to play flute, a little bit of piano, and um, but the guitar was something that I had this emotional developmental block to because of the circumstances okay. with which it was tied. And when I realized at age 39 after trying over and over and over again with guitar lessons, could not, even though I read music, understood music theory, there is no way I could retain why this fingering was a G, why this fingering was an A, okay. why this fingering was a C, even though I understood it on a piano. Um, it's the same concept. It's just, you know, it's linear in six lines as opposed to, you know, <laughs> right. the piano keyboard. And once I realized that those traumatic events will never, ever, ever happen again, and I'm in control of whether I have a guitar or not, it's like the floodgates opened up and I continued learning at just breakneck speed, would rehearse seven hours a day, worked for a coffee shop, and uh, um, they'd let me just, you know, barista and play guitar for the customers, you know, however I wanted to. And by age 40, I was on the road living in a van playing music with my two Pekingese. Wow. And did that for three years and produced um, four or five solo CDs, self-produced. And uh, You really just said, I'm taking control of me. Right. Right. And so, but back to your original question about becoming an artist, um, I, ha I had loved to paint, uh, wrote, created little uh, scenes with little tiny ceramic animals. Um, my sister and brother and I, you know, we had great imaginations. We didn't have TV until we were, you know, a ridiculously uh, mm -hmm. later uh, adolescent life. Mm -hmm. And you know, and there, and we didn't feel like we were shorted because we we read, we thought, we played, we we you know imagined things. And then when I was in, I, I went to Nashville after after playing music full time in here and elsewhere. Um, I knew I had to kind of take myself off the road, and so I picked up photography again. I loved photography and didn't really think about it as, a, as an artistic career, but people always responded to how I framed a picture, how I captured a picture. Um, you know, the, the photographer's eye, we all see things differently. And when people started saying, well, we'll buy that if you'll print it. And I remember the, the first Christmas that I sold so many prints of things for Christmas that I was able to buy myself an act, a, a 
better camera, still wow. a, still a, not a real good camera, but right. a better camera, which then helped me go further and further and further. And I continued to develop as a photographer. And then photography brought me right back to, you know, the visual arts. And so it's like this big, massive circle. And because I've, you know, I can, I can, I understand the digital art aspect of, of photography. I can't do chemicals. I'm, I'm, in fact, that's one reason I don't do oil paints. I'm industrial chemicals. I will be sick, migraines, debilitated. And so the same thing with, with uh, darkroom chemicals. I, can't, I cannot do film uh, for that reason. And so I now have, you know, in my toolbox, a mix where I call analog to digital or digital to analog, where I will use even photographs of my paintings and then be digitally compositing to create new art with photographs. Mm. And, you know, so it's this big circle and this constant reinvention and learning new things. Uh, I'm almost 60 and I don't ever stop learning and don't plan to. Um, I started airbrush, like I said. Yeah, we were you talking know, before I mean, the yeah. we started and you were pointing out the airbrush that you just picked it up two days ago? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is day two. I've, I've been watching, uh, or, or I should say devouring YouTube videos on, <laughs> you know, on airbrush techniques and, and far different subject matter than I will ever paint, but the techniques are still the same. The controls of, of yeah. the airbrush itself, the, the thinness of the paint, the, the air pressure, um, the way to create certain shapes and lines and dots and things like that. It's all it all matters. And so I'm learning and diving in and, and chuckling that, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm 60 years old. I should be somebody's grandma somewhere. And, you know, and I'm like, well, no, I'm out, you know, painting murals and doing airbrush. Well, isn't that great to constantly learn new skills and try to improve upon what we already do? That's my philosophy. Right. You know, I don't plan on dying for at least another... 40 years, maybe, right. you know, so that's a long time to rest in who you are at any one moment. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm like, well, why would I, you know, there's, right. there's so much out there. There's so much that fascinates me, which is actually why I dove into this, this art gallery situation too, because, um, there are so many talented artists in Las Vegas and we don't have enough exhibition space. Okay. And so if I thought, if I can afford a studio space, let what I create in the studio pay for the gallery space um, to have consistent uh, art exhibitions in, then why not? And you've been open here. Uh, we are basically, we're in Commercial Center uh, in Las Vegas. And you've been in this space for how long? Uh, Two, almost two and a half years um, in uh, New Orleans Square. So it's on the Karen side of uh, the commercial center. Yeah. Yeah. So how often? Okay. So we are conducting this interview and this conversation. We are still in the COVID mm -hmm. era. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for somebody listening to this podcast, maybe two years from now, I hope things are much different <laughs> than they are now. But, um, uh, Pre-COVID, mm -hmm. how often would you display someone else's artwork as a show within this gallery? Well, year-round. I mean, uh, so the show that I have up right now is Katie Matheson's um, uh, collection of art. Uh, we entitled it Immersion Diversion, uh, mostly because of the way I've installed it, that 
the viewer becomes immersed in the art. Um, there's certain little vignettes where you are surrounded by paintings or sculptures. And, and the uh, diversion aspect of it is, is kind of diverting from, away from the white cube typical uh, exhibition style that, again, is primarily what is in town um, and diverting it into a very expansive installation rather than just, you know, a white gallery wall and there's, you know, so much space between pieces. We have surprisingly 89 pieces of Katie's work in here. Wow. And it and it's, I tend to try to do um, new exhibitions about every two months. Okay. Um, so we've, we've got a, a two-person show that'll be coming up again in November, um, two, two women. And I try to balance voices as far as artistic voices uh, from, you know, male to female to LGBTQ to cultural um, people of color to, you know, different ethnicities and, and interpretations of life because we need to hear those voices. Right. And, and we, we do ourselves a disservice if we're all only hearing our own voice or those who believe or understand life um, the way we understand it. So, you know, I think one of, the, one of the questions probably that young artists have mm -hmm. or someone that's even thinking, oh, I, I, I love to paint or I love to draw or how does one go from loving being an artist mm -hmm. and loving the the craft to owning a gallery and learning the business <laughs> side of things i mean those are these are two completely opposite things and i know musicians deal with this all the time yeah. i just i just want to be creative i just want to be an artist right but right. there's another side to there it there is another side so to how, it. how do you deal with that um Interestingly enough, as a as a solo musician and solo touring artist, I did all my own bookings, all my own promotion, all my own, you know, everything. And so those same skills from that time, which was far less digital than it is now, translate perfectly into what I do here in the gallery as a visual artist, um, the, you know. I still have to pay taxes. I still have to file reports. I still have to balance the checkbook. I still have to pay the artists whose work I sell. I still have to do these different things. But, you know, I write, have to write press releases for local media. I have to, uh, you know, engage on social media. We talked right. earlier um, pre-podcast pre recording about COVID kind of forcing me to do more virtual content on, on the gallery website right. and uh, um, which is not a bad thing because it helps me brand beyond Las Vegas. And if people aren't able to travel to Las Vegas right now or travel as, as easily or as comfortably, they can still engage with the, with the uh, gallery. They can virtually take a tour mm -hmm. of this, of the show that yep. you have going. Which I'm working on right now. Right the, now as we the speak. The first of four videos because of how, how big this show is. But, Mostly it's about work. It's, 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 it's self-discipline. It's a work ethic. It's like, you know, investing in yourself means you show up for yourself. You, you treat your career as you would, you know, working for somebody else. And, and uh, you know, yes, I have distractions. Yes, I have, you know, things I love to do. And thankfully, I can balance out those distractions um, by immersing myself in one aspect of my art and then diving into another aspect later so I don't get bored or, you know, feel 
stuck. But it's it really is about showing up. Um, one of the other things that I did this summer, um, which I had long planned on doing, was create a, a an arts nonprofit um, arm for the gallery to provide support for um, working artists, especially working fine artists um, that that are still trying to develop their careers, uh, grow their careers. Um, we've got great. Uh, nonprofit arts organizations in town, Left of Center Gallery, uh, Las Vegas Artists Guild, City of the World. And those are a different model of nonprofit uh, membership run, um, very expansive, um, in, you know, inviting to artists of all skill levels and all types. And, and we need it all. I mean, that's we absolutely need from craft art to fan art to lowbrow to highbrow. We need it all. That's that's when we are healthiest as an art community. But I saw one big gap in Las Vegas. There was very little support for working fine artists. And, and there are a lot of working fine artists coming out of, you know, UNLV's arts program, some of the other arts programs in town. Uh, um, and... So what do we do for those artists? Um, do they have to travel somewhere else to succeed as an artist? Well, maybe not. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the first step we're going to be doing is residencies for local artists. Uh, that, you know, will be application processes like, like any other. Um, but I'm looking forward to uh, potentially cultural exchanges, sharing an artist from Las Vegas with another country or another state um, to say, you know, let's see what you have and bring them here, but let's deliver. And, and having these things that will help an artist build their CV, um, build their experience level, help them find their voice even even more. Um, it's what a long CV career. Uh, uh, curriculum vitae, uh, resume. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for an exhibiting artist, um, our CVs need to have record of exhibitions that we're constantly pursuing exhibitions okay. that, that gives us some validity in the eyes of future exhibition Gives you some curators. credibility. Yes. And if we don't have them because we're in a city that doesn't have exhibition space or enough exhibition space, then what do we do? We then have to uh, travel, uh, ship, you know, great expense. And so the nonprofit is hopefully um, going to, you know, put us in a position for grant funding donations. I've already gotten, you know, first donations uh, for Core Arts Concord Inc. KC for short. And uh, um, and it's and it's wonderful because people do believe in the arts in Las Vegas, and we have world class talent here. That's um, something that probably goes uh, much too much unsaid, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Um, On all levels of arts, you know, from musicians to performers to um, the designers. I mean, you know, I, I look at the strip and people think of hospitality and, and gaming, and I'm thinking, all I'm thinking is, look at the art that, you know, the, 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 the artistic brains that right. created, you know, designed these buildings, designed these interiors, even created the artwork that's on the gaming machines, you know, divine, designed the carpet that, that is so fascinating sometimes. You know, it's, and then not to mention the performers and the right. performances and the shows that people travel from around the world to see and the sets and the costumes and you know it's all art we are an art town even though people don't look at that as as being the first descriptor there's a lot of creative thinking and creative minds that mm -hmm. go into all of that 
Which leads me to a question. I always view creativity Mm -hmm. as such an important part of the fabric of humanity in general. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what are your views on just basic creativity in unleashing someone's happiness, right? And Mm -hmm. and potential. No matter if someone is even an artist professionally or a musician Mm -hmm. or singer professionally, but just the act of being creative. Mm -hmm. I, I recall, and, and you're a musician. You, I'm sure you've heard this before. I wish I could play this or I wish I could sing or I wish I could draw it. And it's like you, we, as human beings, it is our nature to create. I mean, we create a persona, the moment we walk out of out the door, we create um, an idea of who we are by the clothes we wear and the shoes we pick, the car we drive. But more than anything, we are creative in our relationships with each other. We we have the opportunity to create beautiful relationships and experiences, and um, but also with ourselves in how we look at ourselves. Um, I'm. I'm old enough that I'm a lot nicer to myself than I was even <laughs> 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. Uh-huh. Who, who, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's been some big bloopers <laughs> that weren't so nice to me uh, as they weren't, you know, maybe nice to somebody else. We can call them learning experiences. And, and they are, but but I look at that as a, as a creative opportunity to say, oh, I don't have to do it that way. It's like cooking, you know, with, with a recipe and, you know, there's a certain number of agree- ingredients in that recipe, but maybe you don't like one of those ingredients and you like a different one and you create a new dish or a new flavor or a new something that suits you. Um, it's the same with, you know, loving your children, raising, you know, children are very different personality to personality. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to find a way that reaches um, the individual that you are engaging with. Um, you, what works for one doesn't work for another. So the back to creativity is, okay, well, it's like problem solving. <laughs> this didn't work, but maybe this will. And and force doesn't work, you know, nine right. times out of ten. Right. Um, and it creates more problems. So let's be flexible. Let's be adaptable, as we were talking before we started recording. Um, and create a life that that we love, that is that is rewarding, that is cha- still challenging. I mean... My, my life in the studio, in the gallery is very rewarding. It's still challenging every single day. Right. I'm wearing many, many hats and learning new things all the time. I'm, you know, relearning how to video edit so I can create things. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was joking that uh, the last time I edited was with mini VHS tapes, right. which will, you know, <laughs> tell you a little bit more about my age, but... Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's and it's comical to think it's like, oh wow, I haven't had to do this, and I really I'm not intending to become a videographer, but I know I need that skill, you know, even at the the, the minimal amount to do what I want to do for the gallery. And it's another way that you're being creative. And it is, and and you know, so letting all the synapses fire, uh, um, left brain, right brain. I, I do know that about myself that I'm I'm incredibly analytical, uh, analytical as well, and and incredibly creative. And 
I just get to choose which side I want to use at any any moment. Sometimes they're engaging together. Sometimes they're completely off on their own little journey <laughs> somewhere. Nancy, where can people find you online and learn more about you and see some of your amazing for the people that can't come to Las Vegas, which you should come to Las Vegas and come to Nancy's gallery because she has some amazing pieces here. Um, where can they find you online? Well, for the gallery, it is corecontemporary.com, um, C-O-R-E. And then for my art, it's nancygoodart.com. Uh, mostly for the painting, for the, for the analog art. Uh, for the digital work, uh, for photography, it's new light photo design, but photo with an F. Um, you know, I I've definitely have two different uh, artistic careers related to visual work. Um, sometimes they, they overlap and mesh, but uh, um, one was created separately, and it was like, well, I probably should just do a different site for the paintings. <laughs> and and uh, I don't really maintain the musical uh, presence as much anymore, but I still do play music. And, uh, Great. And, uh, you know, so sometimes that's here. Sometimes it's out in Tacopa, California at our hot springs. And uh, Wow. Yeah. Sometimes somebody could walk in and hear you mm-hmm. playing and singing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is fantastic. Well, Nancy, this has been fascinating. Well, thanks, Jamie. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. We could keep going forever <laughs> on so many different topics. Because we're old friends now. That's right. So we're going to have to have you back and we'll talk about fly fishing and we'll talk about classical voice training and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other stuff. Well, I would love that. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you so much, Jamie. You have been listening to the Chic Compass Connection podcast. To learn more about Chic Compass magazine, visit chiccompass.com. That's C-H-I-C C-O-M-P-A-S-S dot com. Thanks again to The Vegas Room for hosting us. Visit thevegasroom.com to find out more about this great supper club. This is Jamie Hosmer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>